Oh man! Hello. Uh -oh. What? Hello. Well, hello. How are you doing today? I sure hope. I sure hope some nice lady buys this. Not that type of corner worker shirt. What? Whatever do, do more, you mean? Do I need more contacts? Uh, maybe. Oh, I'm looking for Santa Claus hats. Oh yeah, they're uh, hey Santa Claus hats are available on our uh, merch shop spreadshirt. Yeah, the link is on our page on YouTube, and I'll have it in the in the description. Uh, only two designs available: JK Moto Podcast original and the the wheelies and feelies. I think if I remember right. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? You must have made it through another week. Uh yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a yeah, it's been a good week. Kind of still waiting on a tool in the mail. Waiting on a tool. Yeah, a ten by one point two five bottoming tap. Oh, I know what that's for. Yeah, crazy. I know what that's for. Well, what do you say? I do this. Ready? Instead of back a up, back up just a little bit. Instead of a clap. Back up. That wasn't bad. Oh, it wasn't that bad actually, but I should probably clap. I don't know. Hopefully you could hear those. Silly goose. Let's run the intro. Alright, intro. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. with fluid what is on that cup um this says things that we won't get into something Fair about enough. the ocean oh, that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what i was looking at actually i was looking at custom pint glasses because i was like man we need you know we need some jk moto swag up in here and uh to order custom pint glasses on the specific website i was looking at you had to order at least 72 72 oh, of them oh that's what the 72 yeah. you're bragging about was all eight dollars and 80 cents each for a total of like 663 dollars that's a lot of glassware it is and i don't need 72 pint pint glasses hey um i think we should give the yamaha away maybe yeah oh yeah oh yeah how are you going to do that? Um, I don't know. I haven't figured out yet. I was thinking we could go the classic. Hey, go buy some t-shirts from us and you'll be entered into a giveaway once we reach a certain number of sales. Uh, but I don't know about that. I don't know. Oh, man. Or I'm going to sell it. You're going you're gonna to have to think on that a little bit. You can't just spring that on me. I can too. That's what we're here for. Well, obviously. Obviously. Yamaha is going to be out of business soon. Uh, explain yourself. Yamaha, Honda, they're struggling in the world superbike. They're struggling okay. in MotoGP. Okay. And it sounds like they're going to be struggling in Supercross here shortly. That's a, that's a big yikes, but... Well, let, let's talk about it. Did you see Ducati? Yes. D Ducati has officially announced that they're going to be messing around in motocross 
KTM's already had their day in the sun in motocross. They've won championships. Triumph is going to be on the grid this year. In motocross? Yes, supercross. Is this where we're transferring over to our um, off-road segment of the year? No, okay. no not, not yet. Not yet. But... Not yet. That's good. I haven't done the... Uh... Yeah, but we're right. we're gonna we're gonna talk about it today though because Ducati has announced that they are racing the Italian Cup next year with a Ducati dirt bike. Ducati dirt bike does that even does that work? Is that a well, thing? They've been developing it for two years. I but, bet it's fin- I bet it's finicky as hell. Yeah. So the issue with the Ducati dirt bike is Ducati and their their beauty. You know they hate to look bad, and dirt bikes have to get dirty. It's almost as bad as like KTM. You know, you pull up to some some dude's house and he's got three old Hondas and a Yamaha and a Cowie sitting on the side of the shed, rusted, dirt covered. He's like, yeah, I took them out last month. Got to wash them still. Haven't gotten around to that. And next time he washes them, it's in the next mud puddle that he goes and runs them through, right? And then you pull up on the KTM guys and they're always pristine looking. You know, they did as soon as they get back, they go straight to the car wash, hit them on their way home, wash the truck, wash the KTM. Well, definitely more so. But from what I understand, it's because dealers don't like to get dirty bikes. And when you got to take them back all the time to get worked on. (laughs) Oof. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, I love a KTM dirt bike. Don't get me wrong, but they do have a reputation. You know, dirt bikes have come way further than I had realized in Uh, price. Yeah. That too. But I had a buddy that's he's got a couple of KTMs and the ones get freaking launch control, traction control, and all these things. And I was like, What type of traction control do you have on a dirt bike? You need it more there than anywhere. Plus Yeah, but it, it, it just never like clicked in my head that you would want something to control your traction when you're constantly So I might just be talking out of my you know what, but I would argue that the launch control Launch control, in, I get. Well, it was probably developed in Supercross before. I, that, don't, I don't know that. I'm just talking out of my, you know what? But they've had launch control for a long time. Yeah, that. I mean, that one's fine. Um, it was it was more the traction control that I was kind of weirded out about. Also, real quick before we dive into motorcycles, um, as of August third, twenty twenty two, a revenue of seventy three point four billion something, which is up seven percent sales of acoustic pianos and digital mu- musical instruments. So Yamaha's doing just fine. Um, now now do Honda. Honda doesn't sell pianos. Well, this podcast isn't about pianos. Well, you said Yamaha's going out of business, and I decided to look at their piano sales performance. Well, I also said Honda was going out of business, but I think they're still making jet engines. Honda car sales performance? Generators. They sold 3.7 million automobiles in its 2023 fiscal year. Ooh, which is 9.5% lower. Interesting. Oh, pianos, right. pianos are on an upswing and cars are on a downswing. That's a, Actually, it doesn't. That wouldn't surprise me. If you'd like stated that as an actual statistic, I wouldn't be surprised at all in today's what? world. The more people are buying pianos? Yeah. Did you know that you don't have to have an auto-driving car to have an auto-driving car? Did you know you got to know how to play piano to get any use out of one? No, a lot of people buy them for looks. Who, Snoop Dogg? 
No, I actually, I would, uh, I would argue that there are many people that have a piano in their house just because that completes the look. Now, I don't mean to get into historical things or whatever, but based off of where you grew up, everybody's got a piano in their house that was passed down from generation to generation, came across on a handcart, you know, all those kind of things. I think only two pianos made it in the way that you're talking about, and I've never <laughs> seen a passed down from generation to generation piano in my life. I think, so. I think, I think you got to be a baller if you're buying a piano for looks nowadays to put in your house. Okay, I mean, I'm maybe, but that's what I'm saying is that well, I'm you saying said there's you have a certain to, you have to be a, able to use a piano to need a piano, and I'm saying that there are definitely plenty of people in the world that have pianos that have no idea how to play them. Well, I'll I'll agree with that, but you're at a you're at a relatively high level for somebody to be putting the grand piano in the foyer for looks. To relate this back to what this podcast is actually about, I would argue that one is definitely more likely to have a piano for looks than to have a motorcycle in the garage for looks. Speak for yourself. Now, I, talk about the I mean, they're playing wrong, in, but... If I could talk the better half into it, I'd have one in every room on display. That's what I'm talking about. Coffee table, it's a Ducati. I say it's a little high. You'd have to build a pit to kind of put the bottom yeah. half in. Or put an Ovalia as your coffee table. That'd be more expensive. Matthew. Not exactly. That's just a joke. <laughs> uh, how many how many of our listeners have ridden in, in Ovalle? I want to know what the experience is like. I've got it built up in my head to be this amazing experience. And is it that or is it just another motorcycle? But smaller. Well, there's the obvious, right? Obviously it's smaller. So in yeah. my head it's like a go-kart. Like you you take it can out to a racetrack. To and you just before I get what I was talking about. Okay, sure. Ducati's going supercrossing. Yeah. This this is huge. Yeah, you said uh, in Italy, right? Uh just for the so they got prototype bikes. They've been working on it for 2 years apparently. Okay. Uh there's some pictures going around the internet right now of Peco driving one. Interesting. Okay. Got the big number 1 on it. Triumph has Ricky Carmichael back in them. He's part owner of the program that's running Triumph this upcoming year. Supercross season starts January 6th. And they are more diverse than MotoGP. Supercross has Suzuki, mm-hmm. Yamaha, mm-hmm. Honda, mm-hmm. Husqvarna, mm-hmm. Triumph. That's five, right? Am I missing anybody? KTM. KTM. Duh. Kawasaki. Kawasaki's. That's six. Seven, I mean. Gas, gas. That's eight. I think that's what I got. Oh, you said you didn't know Supercross. Look at that. You brought in three the of gas. The, three of those are KTM. Uh, well, that, if you make that argument in MotoGP, then you have to say there's only four brands, yeah. five brands in MotoGP. I would make that argument. I mean, the, the gas gas is the KTM satellite team. So Only because MotoGP won't play because they're saving room for BMW. You, th- you think that. It's happening. I am more convinced now. You heard it here weeks ago, and you're going to hear it here again. The reason Top Rack went to BMW is because they promised him, we're going to pay you a bunch of money. You're going to run World Superbike next year. But next year, we're going to be working heavily on a MotoGP bike. And you're going to be our first MotoGP factory BMW rider in 2025. Interesting. That's why I think he went to BMW. 2025? 
2024, he's already signed up. He's going to race World Superbike, but I think they'll simultaneously be developing a MotoGP bike. So what makes you think that? I want to dive into that a little bit. What makes you think that that's going to happen? Besides you want it to happen, I understand that. And like, <laughs> you know, throw the throw the vibes into the universe, if you will, or whatever the, the kids say these days. Yeah, I read that book, The Secret. So you don't get that one. No, I don't. Sorry, never read it. So either did I. It, it was popular with all the chicks a couple of years back. So ah, got it. here's my intuition. This is why I feel that way. Top right has been riding Yamaha forever. He's got mm -hmm. frustrations because they won't give me Yamaha that he feels can go beat the Ducati. So okay. one school of thought is he gets on a BMW. If he's confident in his ability to make that bike break and turn, it has the power to stay with the Ducati on the straights. Okay. That's one reason he might have chose BMW. Second reason is because they backed a dump truck up and filled his whole living room up with cash because they want Top Rack to drive their bike. Could be a combination of the two. So Could be one, one or the that, other. Why would BMW want Top Rack so bad? Is that because they don't think they have any good riders, but they think they have a bike? Or is that because they want a rider that can develop their bike better? I, I think a combination, but Top Rack... I mean, you would say Mark Marquez is a generational talent. Yeah, yeah. Like they only come along every so often. Top Rack is that rider in World Superbike. He's there's. I don't think there's anybody that argues he's not hands down the best rider in World Superbike. He's just not on the most competitive bike. Okay. And he's won a championship, but he makes that bike do things that. I mean, it's just sad watching him get beat by Ducati. Honestly. Right, after after the amount of work that he puts in. I mean, much like you mentioned it, so I'll say it, much like Mark Marquez, if you look at the the other Hondas on the grid with him, a supposedly unrideable bike, and he's still out there. Yeah, I'll just give you that one today because I don't want to argue about it. But well, I'd, I'd throw <laughs> Fabio up there maybe also. I'm not so sure about that yet. But I'm not so sure about that yet either because, yeah, he's beaten Morbidelli. Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing you can compare it to now. And sure, he's beating Morbidelli, but Morbidelli's already got his mind on another ride. Doesn't want to get injured. Hasn't done anything for two years. True. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good comparison. That's fair. I'll give you that. But let's talk about some timeline. So Top Rack won the championship two years ago. Okay. Batista's won the last two. So 2021. No, 2020. No. Yes. Oh, yeah, because they're over already, right? Yep. So Finished 20, last week. 2021. Yep. Okay. So he won the championship, and part of his part of his reward for that was that they were going to let him drive a MotoGP bike. So they took him for a test, and everybody was saying that he was going to take um, Morbidelli's spot. He was going to be – because he's getting kind of old. So right. he was going to move over to MotoGP. He was going to be the factory rider. Mm-hmm. So he went and tested the bike, and we've talked about it before, but both parties came out of that somewhat unhappy. Top Rack felt like, yeah, they said, here's the bike. You can't change anything. You can't do anything. Just drive it around. It is what it is. Hmm. And he felt like they didn't help set it up for him, and they didn't, they didn't give him a real opportunity. He still set some pretty good times. I mean, they weren't the fastest times, but you're still a pro rider yeah, out there. Yeah, what are you going to do in one day, though, on a bike that isn't? set up for you exactly so he came out of that feeling like they'd kind of 
screwed him. And then Lynn Jarvis came out of there almost immediately saying that Top Rack would not be moving to MotoGP. That was not an option. Hmm. And if I'm Top Rack and I'm looking at their other choices, I mean, Fabio's trying to quit on them. Morbidelli wants out at the time. Everybody wants out. There's no, there's not like a whole line of riders banging on the door trying to get there. And he, I want a championship for you guys. And all. they should be, I think he felt like he needed Corda. They should have been after him. You know, right. what's, wrong, what's wrong with me? I think that's what his attitude would have been. So it's coming to the end of a contract. They're not doing anything on the bike. He probably felt a little dissed on that. Which the is World Superbike team might like him fine, but they're not giving him the respect he thinks he deserves. Right. And then BMW shows up and says, hey, come ride our bike. You're the best rider on the grid. See what you can do with a BMW. I mean, they're assuming he's going to finish second all year. Worst case. Right. I mean, that's what BMW's banking on. Yeah. Yeah, because if he can do it on a Yamaha, he should be able to definitely do it on a BMW, and they're hoping that maybe his talent is there enough to overcome the Ducati because they think their bike is good enough. Yeah. That makes sense. So there's this part of me, it's all assumptions, it's all all just my opinion, but there's this thing I keep honing in on, and the more stories I read, the more I I think I might be on to something, is... BMW may want to go to MotoGP. I know Dorna would welcome them, but KTM keeps trying to get the two Suzuki seats. Right. Dorna, MotoGP, refuses to give those two seats to KTM. But what is their argument? Because Ducati has eight bikes on the grid. Mm -hmm. KTM has four. Why, Why would you not let them go to at least six? Yeah, they've got to be waiting for someone. Uh, I've always figured waiting for Suzuki to come back. It's a so, small part of me that wonders if Triumph. But so, Triumph's got Moto2 on lockdown, so. Yeah, they've got that on lockdown, but that might be their stepping stone, right? But That's that's so, that's where my head was always at. So I think you have Suzuki, you have Kawasaki, you have Triumph, you have BMW. Mm-hmm. Uh, Envy Augusta is owned by somebody else, but maybe somebody like that would try to make a play. Envy Augusta's, they keep making partnerships. They're trying to grow their brand, so. I mean, Envy Augusta's cool. I get nothing against the Bucks. In fact, I quite like them, but I've, I don't ever see them entering racing anywhere. So, so I don't know. If you start looking at those, though, Kawasaki's not putting money into World Superbike, really. I mean, they've yeah. got the same problem over there. They're a Japanese bike that's falling behind. So I don't think it's Kawasaki. It would really surprise me if Suzuki, the only reason I think Suzuki could come back is because they may be negotiating behind the scenes to have just taken a couple years off to avoid the penalty Dorna was going to hit them with. Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning of that, Dorna was like, they're getting such a big fine. We're not letting this slide. And then everybody got quiet about it. Yeah. You haven't heard anything about it since. Yeah. So in a back room, they might've said, if you come back in two years, get your financial stuff together, come back in two years, which is so destructive of Suzuki because they, yeah. they had two good riders. They had great bikes. And now one would argue they'd have to be way behind starting from scratch again. Maybe, but maybe they're actually ahead starting from scratch because that's, I mean, that's arguably where the other rides have been falling off is that they've been trying to advance, but haven't really advanced at all. And now they're kind of starting from scratch anyway. So True. So Suzuki, we'll leave them hanging out there. 
Mm-hmm. Kawasaki, we're writing them off. Mm-hmm. And Viagusta, we wrote off. Mm-hmm. Triumph seems like a little bit of a stretch. I mean, they're doing great in Moto2, and the partnership is really strong. I don't see Triumph doing it because I don't see Triumph trying to or needing to sell a big, huge, crazy sport bike. I think everyone likes Triumph for what they are right now. They've got that corner of the market kind of covered. There's no need to to branch out. And like, what do you get from MotoGP? You get testing, right, for your brand. You get awareness for your brand. You get all of those things. And anyone that actually follows either already knows Triumph and doesn't care or would see them in a Moto2. So the argument is it pretty much leaves BMW. But what about the new motorcycle brands? Bill. They don't have that kind of money. Okay, not that not that one. We should talk about Buell later, but go ahead. I kind of figured we'd throw Buell into our Harley Davidson episode that we do at one point. Well, we can we can talk about that historically, but I don't want to get off subject yet. Which brand are you talking? What brand are you thinking over there? CF Moto. I hope not. You hope not, but you that can't argue. argue. That'd just be another KTM. <laughs> I just, I think there are uh, China and a couple other countries, India maybe, that well, I wonder if they don't want to try and enter that. Well, I could see China wanting to do that. Uh, I could see a CF Moto wanting to do that. You, you know, there's they have a pretty big presence at MotoGP races in the in the Moto Two, Moto Three mm-hmm. class. They definitely have a presence. I, I I hope they don't do that. BMW. We're hoping for BMW. I only argue this so hard because I looked it up. I was like, what? You know, is BMW going to enter MotoGP? And all of the videos, articles, whatever were titled, why BMW is not in MotoGP and never will be. So no one else is thinking it. So if it happens, you know, props to you, props to us. We get it first. But as of right now, there's a lot of uh, thoughts in the other direction. I, I think, think BMW should, but I don't know what BMW is trying to do with motorcycles. What do you mean? So, so they're they're one of the only companies out there. I mean, honestly, if you look at the field, Gas Gas doesn't have a thousand cc. KTM doesn't have a thousand cc. Honda does. Yeah. BMW does. Kawasaki yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, those are the only guys really making... And Ducati does, of course. Ducati, Aprilia, Yamaha. But you, you Yamaha, but... Well, for a minute longer, anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. what Yamaha does, but I, I think that... I think that definitely BMW is actively trying to push a traditional... 1000 cc i mean they have been since 2010 but they're selling a lot of them and i mean i would i would point out at podium club i tell people that all the time they're like you drive a bmw anybody that doesn't know racing or anything if i tell them i'm driving a bmw they're like really that's weird i thought that was japanese you know suzuki's and yeah jixers or ducatis yeah but i would say people know i would say every track you go to at least track days Mm-hmm. More BMW S1000s than anything. Well, especially the the new ones, yeah, have kind of taken over. Um, I don't know that I would say then anything, but they're not they're not shy 
no i think i would say than anything i think if you got to separate them out and at least say bikes that are five years old if you took only bikes that are five years old and newer Mm -hmm. i think there's probably more bmws than anything else i might argue the yamaha r1 i would take that bet I i would take that bet uh the only thing I need to have more stipulations. If we're only talking thousands, I stand by what I said. If we start letting the 400s and everything into the argument, there's obviously a lot of Cowie VX6Rs. Yeah. Well, and it depends, too, on where you're at. Because I will say that it it does depend where in the country you're at, what track day you're at, what group you're with, and who you hang around, what bikes you see. But I think there are a lot of R1s out there. I would put that at the top of the list for five years old and newer bikes, 1,000 cc only. I would put the R1 on the top. If you opened it up to 10 years and up, I would I would maybe follow along with you, but five years and up, I would stick with BMW. Well, let's see. Five years is 2018. Yeah, okay. All right. You might have me then. I made a change to the R1, and you see, you see S1000s yeah. with wings, without wings, you know, yeah. Red color schemes, gray color schemes, black color schemes. Pink. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> There's BMWs everywhere. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'm going to have to start paying more attention, though. But we were, but, talking, about, we were talking about dirt bikes. because y- You were talking about dirt bikes at the beginning. Yeah, but listen, it's important. People want to hear about dirt bikes. Okay, yeah, drop a comment if you... Bikes. Drop a comment down below if you want to hear about dirt bikes instead of <sighs> everything else that we always talk about. Supercross is coming up. There's so many things to be excited about this year. Okay. Jet Lawrence has moved up to a 450. Okay. He's the second coming of everything. The greatest rider of all time. You say that about a lot of people. No, everybody says this about this guy in his sport. We talk about a lot of different. We talk about a lot of different genres, and there's got to be a goat in every one of them. That's true. You have Deegan coming back. Everybody's kind of excited about Deegan. He'll be racing the 250 class against the Hunter Lawrence brother. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is KTM wins everything, right? KTM's famous for getting into a sport, taking it all the way to the top, winning championships, dominating. That's yep. what KTM's done for a lot of years in a lot of different sports. Right. They go to MotoGP and they've kind of struggled. But if you watched that race last week, which I hope we talk about some more. I did watch it. If, if we watch that race, KTM, they're close, man. Yeah. But don't yeah. go off on a tangent there yet. Okay. We'll so come back to that. KTM's close. But the, the word on the street is Ducati has to go into Supercross now to start kicking KTM where it hurts because they're kicking Ducati where it hurts. Interesting. Interesting thought. Okay. If you only have a certain amount of money to go around, they think KTM's let they've already ruled those things, so they're kind of letting letting those letting run it fall a little bit. Yeah, they're dumping all their money in MotoGP right now because they need to get to the top. Mm-hmm. And if the Cotty goes and harasses them over there, maybe they'll stop spending quite as much in MotoGP and go focus back there to make sure they're beating Ducati over there. Interesting, interesting thought. Okay. Sure. I don't know. You know, I don't know the politics of manufacturers behind the scenes. I also wonder, like, it doesn't make sense for KTM, kind of like we were just talking about in MotoGP. Like, why, you know, why do you care? What are you selling? 
I can't go out and buy any KTM for the track right now besides an RC390. A Duke, I guess, but not really. You've you've heard the old commercials when Honda was trying to outsell Harley back in the day. And Mm -hmm. Harley had the bad reputation for biker guys and one percenters and all the Honda commercials said, you meet the nicest people on a Honda. That was, that was their, that was their slogan. That was their commercial, right? Yeah. Well, Honda makes, we, we talked about it earlier. Honda makes jet engines and generators and cars and whatever. They're not solely focused on motorcycles as a, as a whole. Right. And you can make the same argument about Yamaha, but when you go to KTM, it says on, ready to race on the side of their bike. Ducati obviously is a race bred race inspired. They want to win races. Yeah. That's what's different about those two companies. And so when I hear something like that happening behind the scenes, I can believe that I can believe that that there's some guy, you know, some pencil pusher, the owner going, we got to beat these guys over here, send some money over there, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. Just make me win. Yes. Like Ferrari would. Right. Yep. Or, and, uh, I can't see Honda doing that. They'd be like, you know, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. We don't need to spend that much money over there to do that. Yeah. The only reason I might argue that is that Honda is so big that their motorcycle department, which is also such a big department, I feel like has got to be so far away from like the head honcho of Honda. Well, the argument's, just, been, the argument's been made through the years, right? That Honda is famous for just throwing a lot of money at a problem, especially in like mm-hmm. MotoGP. And that's what everybody's waiting for him to do now. Right. Honda has always just spent until they win. Yeah. Because they're such a bigger company than all the other guys. Yeah, they have the money to do it. Yeah, and they haven't been able to spend their way out of this one yet. Or don't even look like they're trying, really. Yeah, I mean, there's there's talks. I was reading an article today about Honda's not penalizing Mark Marquez for leaving, so chances are he's coming back. The funny part is that most of those, every article is like, well, Mark is so perfect and Honda is so bad. And so Mark will come back once Honda figures their stuff out. Uh, let me uh, blow your let me blow your mind with the other Mark rumor going around. Okay. Because you you've said a couple times, you know, what if he goes back to Honda, right? Yeah. So the newest rumor I've heard is he only signed a one-year deal with Grissini. Why would mm-hmm. you only sign a one-year deal? Because Mark Marquez right back. That's how you always turn it, right? But these, well, or you just want to be an open, right? Well, the story I'm hearing is the bike he really wants to ride for is KTM with Red Bull. Interesting. So one year at Grissini, let's just say he wins a championship. Let's just say. The argument I was hearing is even if he goes to Grissini and wins a championship next year, let's just say he goes to Grissini, wins a championship, he still ditches them and goes to KTM the year after because he wants to do something Valentino Rossi never did. Win a championship on. If he could win a championship on a Honda and a Ducati and then go to KTM and do the same, he's got enough years left that it would be interesting. If he's really the mark that we think he still is. Yeah. If he really is that guy, put him on a, there's no reason he can't win championship next year. Yeah. 
And then by then KTM will have their bike. They might be the top bike at that point. You slip him over to a factory KTM, let him win championship one more time. Yeah. And then he could retire into the sunset as the greatest rider, hands down. Nobody could argue. Nobody could ever argue. Well, until someone else comes along. Yeah. Well, maybe if if the world makes it that long. Uh, you know, that would be, uh, that would be interesting. I could see that. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking today, I was watching the, the Thai GP. I just watched it a few hours ago and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, what is he going to do on a Ducati next year? Because if, if the Honda is so terrible and he's still riding it like that, is he going to be, and it, it's all just speculation. And it's not that I want to say that Mark is the greatest in the world and whatever, but the, there's part of the back of my head, and I think everyone's that's like, is he gonna show up on a Ducati next year and just blow everyone out of the water and make it look like no one actually knew how to ride the bike? Or is it just gonna be another Ducati at the front of the field fighting? I know it's I know it's easy to say, but if he goes and wins every race next year, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah. if he but if he goes and actually just sucks. I wouldn't be surprised either. I know those are two completely different things, but I'm not, I don't have any problem with his talent. I, I believe he's got talent. I believe he's a skilled rider, everything, but I don't mm-hmm. think all those, I don't think all those things cross over the Ducati. I don't think it's an argument anymore that it's a better bike. I right. mean, obviously, but that don't mean it's a better bike for him and the way he rides. I mean, I don't know. Let's put it this way: If if uh, Brad Bender would have been on a Ducati, would he, would he have, be able to do what he did? Yeah, would he have magically won that race? I don't know because he drives that Ducati. He driving that KTM like a maniac sideways. Yeah, well, one would argue, one being me, that maybe Brad Bender is only that good on the KTM because he's been on that KTM for so long, and they've been developing it. I mean, he's been there long enough that you can say they've developed it around him. And uh, great for KTM, great for Brad Bender. He's obviously proven some good stuff out there. Uh, but where are the rest of them? Yes. Well, they're, they're not up there. So you gave me grief last week for saying that it's the greatest race of all time or something, which I don't know that I said it was the greatest race of all time, but I said you, you got to watch it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I watched it again last night with friends. So I... I said what I said last week because it's just felt like there have been some some races this year that we have said that about. And not, not just MotoGP, but multiple races, um, which is different because, like, last year I wouldn't have really... would have been like, yeah, it was a good race, man. Definitely go watch that. But I don't think I would have said, like, you have to go watch that race. I watched the Thai GP. You're 100% right. That race was that intense, was amazing was the whole time. There was, like, a little bit of kind of chill time. I'd say from lap ten left to four left. Yeah, there was a there was a lull where you were like, "Yeah, it's just going to finish this way. They're going to run away." I never thought that, but I did. That's and that's fine. I'm, I mean, I, well, I didn't get to really talk to you about it. What did you think about Pecos trying to pass two people on the outside? That was the most unrobot thing in the world. It was crazy. Awesome. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. I didn't think MotoGP bikes could do that anymore. I'm not convinced. And he almost, it he almost pulled it off. Almost pulled con- it off. I'm not convinced it wasn't an accident. 
Yeah, possible. Yeah, I mean, the, the commentators kind of said that too. They're <laughs> sitting there, awesome. like, well, he kind of had to go around two of them because maybe he might not have been able to stop that otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that move was yet. sweet. I would like to go back and see. So that race is long over, so it doesn't matter. But I mean, talking about it, not that we ever care on here, but Jorge Martin wins. Mm-hmm. Brad Bender finishes second, which then turned mm-hmm. into third. Pecco finishes. I didn't stick around for that part. Oh, yeah. Pecco got second. Brad Bender put it on the green paint again on the last lap. Like both uh, tires. Classic. <laughs> that's three times this year. Hell that's, yeah. That's three times he's finished third instead of second. But yeah, that's all right. But Brad Bender passed him with like three laps to go. Yeah. And he actually ran away from him. For a lap and a half, he was... I wouldn't say was, ran, but he definitely got... He was creating a gap. He was yeah. He was getting out there, and then something happened. And I, I can't... I haven't really gone... Even after watching it again, they don't really show what happened, but all of a sudden, Martin closed the gap and was right on him like in a couple corners. So I think there had to be a mistake made. I don't know if I would say a mistake. Um, from what my eyes saw, it was purely... I mean, Brad Bender is kind of a throw it all out on the line and figure out what happens type of guy. And I think that's what happened is that he got ahead. Like you said, he started to pull. I wouldn't say ran away, but definitely started to pull away, was creating a gap. And then I think he just continued to try to create too big of a gap, went a little wide on a few corners. Um, They also mentioned some things, you know, you never really know because they're talking the whole time about tire grip, this, that, whatever else. So you never know how much of that's real or not, but possible his tire ran out on him. They were talking about like a head bobble that he kept getting. It was a blind corner and he'd come out of it. And I saw it the one time on the camera, his whole head's just like going nuts side to side. Um, so I don't know if that was finally catching up. To, I don't know, but he was, de- he was definitely getting a head shake. So you had those. That's why this race was good, though. You had three riders touching tires at the end of the race. Yeah, well, people were touching tires the whole freaking thing, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you had those guys, but you had a great fight between, which I wanted to bring up just because of the Ducati thing. Luca Marini, he is good now. So hear me out. Hear hear me out. I was making the argument. Luca Marini, out of all the riders in MotoGP history, probably has got more opportunities and more time on the bike to develop and become a good rider. And I get that he's on a great bike. If he was on a Honda, he'd be maybe a Nowheresville, right? Yeah. But he's sitting on a Ducati. He's racing all those guys. He's qualifying good. He's doing all the things. Mm-hmm. There's eight Ducatis, and he's not the worst one by any means. He's up there doing great. Yeah. And last year he did okay. And yeah. the year before that, he did nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. That dude has learned how to ride a bike, I think. Yeah, maybe. Most people wouldn't ever got that chance. Most people wouldn't have just sat there and got a ride year after year with the results he was putting in. But we I don't agree. know why he's still there. But I think it's finally paid off. Possibly. I'd say that he's definitely learned some things. I wouldn't quite put him up there as a... I'm not going to put him as an elite rider by any means. There are riders that are good, and then there's riders that are good and consistent. And it's that consistency and that, like, the, you know when the commentators, I hate to bag on them more, but when they're always talking about, oh, he's calculating right now, this, that, whatever, this isn't a race, this is a game of chess, 
they're playing to see, you know, how long front tire pressure he could be up on the tail of that bike, but he's hanging back to keep his front tire a little colder to keep more grip in it. And like a lot of that might actually be true. And not that that necessarily makes you a good rider, but there is like that sense of I can ride a bike well. I also know when to slow down. I know when to hold back. I know when to be freaking Jorge Martin and stick my leg six feet sideways just to make it look like no one can pass me. Of what? <laughs> of all the races, the leg dangle has been crazy. Uh, this one's got that specific corner where they're leaned to the left. There's a couple they, of them on the circuit, but yeah. But the, the, Jorge Martin today, or not today, but on in Thailand was so bad. I was like, holy. Literally <laughs> leaned over to the left and stuck his leg so far out. It literally just yeah, went I all think the way it, out there. I think it's the way the camera is, but they kind of they kind of like start to move out to make that turn. Mm -hmm. So they, it's a right hand turn. They start to move to the left. And as the bikes lean slightly left, that's when the leg comes out. So yeah. it's sticking like above the bike. Yeah. Um, but like there've been, like you said, there's a couple other tracks. There's some other people that do it, but today when I was watching it, Jorge Martin, especially, and it was more so at the end of the race, maybe just because that's when the cameras were on him, but it looked like he was doing it literally to like set up a block almost. <laughs> and maybe he just needed down. to, maybe it's because he was in the middle of the track and he needed to get that. I don't know, but so geez. funny thing about that. I said, I, was, I watched it last night with friends. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend's daughter was watching mm -hmm. and obviously doesn't watch motorcycle racing. Right. And she seen that. She seen him do that and was like, oh, man, what is that guy doing? And so I was explaining why they do it. And then we started watching. It got us all kind of focusing on that. And when they would mm -hmm. show the shots of him coming down the straightaway. So you'll notice that Brad Bender never, at least in this race, he wouldn't stick his leg out. He sticks his whole knee out. Yep. He uses his knee as a parachute, but he puts the big rider triangle out there in the wind to try to. Yep. I, but, did, I did catch that. But when they would come down the straight and the camera would show them all coming towards that turn one, mm -hmm. you could tell which ones were Ducatis and which ones were Italian trained. And I mean, I know Jorge Martin doesn't fall under that list, but Jorge Martin's leg would kick out. You got Brad Bender's knee, you know, still on the peg, but stuck way out. And then it would be, mm -hmm. you You just see like Aleish wasn't doing it. Mark wasn't doing it. But if you look down that whole row, it was all Ducatis. Do, 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 do. Yeah. With their the legs would all yeah. pop out. Yeah, it it is interesting to watch because almost every rider will do leg, leg dangle at some point. I'm going to have to pay more attention to Brad because today I don't think I ever saw it. And he was, yeah, his knees like sticking way out there, like you said, but he never actually dangled the leg. But right. there's this, there was one other track this year that like Jack Miller was real bad about it too. There was some blind corner that'd come up over and their leg would just be, just shoot up out of nowhere and go, it looks like, Looks like they're leaning full left and sticking their legs straight up in the air. That's how bad it looks. Right. So, yeah, yeah, the good old leg dangle, which has made its way into everywhere. Track, track days. Yeah. I was going to tell you, you were talking about it a little bit with me in the pits at Podium Club, but mm -hmm. I think it was after that session or whatever when you were talking about it, I was coming up on a guy. I... He was up ahead of me and I got closer and closer and I watched him for like three corners and then went by him. Mm -hmm. But he was taking his leg off the peg and setting his whole boot on the ground while he was still straight up and down. Mm -hmm. 
but it, it was just like dragging his foot while he was still going down whatever straight we were on. Hmm. He never really like, like, I don't, I don't know. And then I, I just blew by him and I was like, keep your foot on the peg weirdo. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, my first track day, I, I stuck my knee as far out as I thought I ever could. And I was like, man, I got to be so close to the ground. There's no way, you know, there, there's no way it doesn't look like I'm dragging knee in a picture. Then I looked at a picture and I was like, Oof, okay. My knee's like still a full foot above the ground. I was putting two minute and 40 second lap times down at the ridge, you know? And I, I laugh sometimes because I see some people out there and I'm like, I hope that you, yeah, everyone do what you want, but I hope that you realize that what professional racers do and what we do out on a track day, specifically a track day, are so far Mm -hmm. so far like it's not comparable at all and so yeah it is funny sometimes to catch people with doing exactly like you said just like take the foot off the peg put it down i've done it a couple times just to mostly because i I, like i'll go into a corner i'm like how do people even do this and i'll like take my foot off the peg and then i start to lean the bike i'm like nope i can't do that nope absolutely (laughs) not putting the foot back on the peg gotta stay on the bike so so my better half did say while we were watching that race last night, my better half said when we started pointing out what Brad Bender was doing different than the other people, mm-hmm. that's what she said. She goes, that's what you look like going in a corner. She goes, she goes, you always stick your leg clear out like that on the peg. Right. She said I was doing that at Podium Club. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It was nothing working. Nothing wrong with that. It was working. Whatever I was doing, it was working. Like I said, you had the... So the three guys fighting for the front, you had a great yep. battle between uh, Luca Marini and Bezzecchi. That was a great battle, but you had it a- was an interesting one. I don't know about great. I thought it was pretty good. Bezzecchi- I think the, I don't think the cameras showed it as well as they should have because they kept trying to transition back. If you'd actually just watched it, I think it would have been awesome. But it just looked like Bezzecchi comes in, Luca takes it. Bezetchi comes in, Luca takes it again. Bezetchi comes in again, Luca takes it again. Like it was just. Well, he kept going in hot. He was doing the same thing Brad Bender was doing to yeah. Martin up front. But then, yep. what about what about? I mean, you had to ha- you had to love the Alesh Marquez battle. Yeah, almost as much as the Marquez Bagnaya battle. The Marquez, again, the cameras, the Bagnaya being world champion, Mark Marquez being who he is, the camera's going to focus on them because then sponsors, blah, 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 blah. But, and anyway, that battle in the beginning, and then, yeah, Alash and Mark in the end. Uh, the only funny, the best part for that for me was that in my head, I'm imagining what the two riders are saying in their helmets. And I'm imagining Mark is just whoa, in there whoa, like, whoa, 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 you can't repeat that on here. Oh, if they're saying mean? anything like I say in my helmet, you can't say that on the uh, that's fine. podcast. That's fine. They're not saying that. We'll just bleep it all out if we need to. Um, right. But I'm imagining Mark, right? Doing Mark things and just kind of laughing to himself out there. Just like, la da this is racing. Rubbin's racing. Who cares? And then I'm imagining Leish being, what, the, what? what are you doing? The, what are you doing? What are you doing? You cannot touch me. Yeah. But then he'll pull the same move on other people. He'll be like, well, this is different. That was good. So. That was a good race, man. All the way back. Even uh shout out to Quadraro. He was leaning on some people. Yeah. I mean, he was fighting for spots. He was competitive. Yeah. I mean, 
I I watched multiple times before I watched the race, and then in the race watched it again. But Bagnaya on the outside of Mark, in like the first couple of laps, literally went to lean in and was laying on Mark's bike. Mm-hmm. And it that is one of the biggest things that amazes me about professional motorcycle racing is like you. I don't know if you can imagine. There's there's banging bars and. You know, for you higher level club racers, you guys that have been in Moto America, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if you've ever laid on the side of someone else's bike in the middle of a turn and just ridden on as if that's just normal. So I think it's funny when, and there was a time in that race, now that you mention it, Pecco and Mark, mm-hmm. I think when Pecco was, maybe it was Mark taking him back again and Pecco had to pull his leg in. Yeah. Like yeah. He was either going to get his leg run over or get it back into the bike. Yep, I mean, seen that. Good yeah, race. It's, good race. It, it was was a very good race. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. You know, MotoGP something seventy nine billion percent off right now because well, there's only three races left. So I yeah. think I said that last week. But man, I, anyway. I might go watch it again. It was worth it. Yeah, it'd be worth another watch. Yeah, you you might need to watch it again just because a lot of those I thought I seen all of them, but watching it again, like you said, the. The race up front was so good they had to keep the camera up there on the front. But every mm-hmm. time they would flash back, there was things happening that I wish I wish I could have I wish I could watch it again and override the camera and say, I want to watch what's happening right here. Yeah. But was- you know, maybe that's the job we need. Go be in the camera control room. The only issue is they'll be like, switch to camera five and be like, huh, what? Oh yeah, sorry. Huh. My bad. You know, yeah. I I might be wrong, but I think NASCAR tried something like that years ago where you could well, you personally control which camera you want? Yeah, so they had like, well, f- the first thing they did was in in car cameras. Mm-hmm. So if you had their app or whatever, you could switch to which car you wanted to follow along with. So you could be like inside driver whatever's car. Right. And watch the race that way. Just see what he's seeing. Chase Elliott. Well, yes. Yeah. But the the funny part about that is he's like new is new to me because yeah, I mean, I know who he is, but the reason I wasn't saying any names is every name I tried coming up with, I knew was long. (laughs) Well, that's what I only know who Chase Elliott is because I bought a part from Napa forever ago, like uh, probably 2017 or 16. And they gave me a hat. It was a Chase Elliott hat. And I was like, oh, yeah, NASCAR, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Don't follow it. Sorry. Yeah, too many wolves. You know, it'd be interesting. It would be cool to choose what camera. The issue I would have with that is that I would, you know, I would, Martin or Bender. He's right behind Martin. That was a great race. I'd pick Bender, then I'd be stuck on it for 20 minutes and miss all the rest of it. So I think the MotoGP does do pretty good. They are actually many times that I'm like, what is, you know, what's going on at the front? I got to see the front. And you're watching Bezecchi and Marini in 8th and ninth battle it out. Because if there's a good battle, they will tend to go for it. Or grab a replay real quick. I'd, I do enjoy watching the MotoGP races. Well, and, and honestly, you know, sometimes, sometimes we complain about, like, let's say Jorge Martin's 17 seconds out on everybody. Yeah. And they still just keep him on camera for a lot of it. We complain about that, but on the flip side, if I was the sponsor of that bike and he was out 17 seconds, you better have the camera right up his tailpipe. Yeah. yeah That's why we that. paid all that money to that driver. Yep. And if you're showing the last place guys all the time, then they'd say, why pay extra to sponsor better riders? 
Yeah. Well, and I do think it's funny that, not funny, but uh, one thing that I've noticed real big this season is how much the commentators will say the name or no, they'll I'm, mention the sponsors all over the place. I'm glad you noticed it. There's there's Paco Bagnaya on the factory Ducati, yeah. Lenovo, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Where's Jorge to- Martin on the Prima Pramac Ducati? Yeah. Oh, with that Red Bull gives you wings right across <laughs> the front of his helmet. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, we that's, how they pay, that's how they pay the bills, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I got it. I I get it. It's just I, I've noticed it a lot this season. It's been more interesting. Yeah. What do we got? MotoGP. What do we got left? Three races left? Three races, three sprints. Can you tell me? You're looking at the schedule right now anyway. Are they all back to back? No. Yep. Yep, they are the twelfth, the nineteenth, and the twenty sixth. So yes, so I figured Although, there would have to. I figured there would have to be a break, but I heard an announcer say, "Um, not in Thailand, but the week before, he said that mm-hmm. ends the first three three races back to back or whatever. That ends the first of two, and then they took a week off and had this one. Interesting. And so, so they had so they Indonesia. Race, they raced three in a row, then they had a week off. They raced one. They have another week off." Yeah, no, I mean, three with a week off, and now it went October was three with three in a row, and then a week off in November, and then three in a row. So I like it. They should should just make them race every week. Yeah. I miss it. I miss watching it this weekend. Yeah. Uh, It'll be good with the, let's see, the standings real quick. I know we talked about it last week and it hasn't changed, but I got to remind myself, I think it's 13 points because Brad Bender hit the green. Would have been nine. Yep, 13 points. Did you see... We got to switch back to World Superbike real quick. Okay. Did you see they had the test in Jerez? Mm-mm. Didn't catch it. So, like we were explaining to somebody, me and you, off off air, uh, we were explaining about, you know, Mark Marquez going to get to ride the Grissini bike for the test. Yep. But it'll probably be all black. Mm-hmm. So, the Jerez test after the last weekend of World Superbike... Um, Johnny Ray got to drive the Yamaha. Okay. But the Yamaha was black and it ha- it said R1 on the side of it still, but it was like in kind of some ghost graphics a little bit. Interesting. It was like okay. kind of a flat black or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he got the right to switch from Kawasaki and go ride the Yamaha. I don't know what the reason is. Well, I know, they won't really say it, but Kawasaki allowed Yamaha to let Ray drive their bike. But Yamaha and Top Rack couldn't come to an agreement, and they didn't let him drive the BMW. He missed the test. Interesting. He wasn't allowed to switch because he was still under contract with Yamaha, but Johnny Ray was out there turning laps on Yamaha. Weird. At, at, I don't know the details, but... Maybe Yamaha needed him to get a little bit more data. But shout out to Garrett Gerloff. He... uh crashed on like lap three of the test okay he's good but they picked his bike up with a crane and Jeez. it was just they just pieces and they dropped it in like a garbage truck <laughs> well that was you know talk about crazy rex freaking alex marquez and the thailand gp when they went back and showed the replay that bike flipped yeah. three freaking times end over end don't you feel bad for that guy yeah. now his brother's gonna come and spank him every week yeah i was thinking about that too i was like man that's gotta get on the better bike continue to just wreck it all year even though like when he's not wrecking he's up front 
Yeah, he does really well, and then he puts it down. And it's all like he's reminding me of Alex Renz back in the day. Yeah, he, he started the season really well. Then he went through a rough patch, mm-hmm. a real rough patch. A lot of it was not his fault. Yeah. And then he's just kind of not – he's just been an also-ran. But he started turning it up again the last few weeks. Once yep. he found out Mark was coming to ride the other one. Yeah. He he turned it up or whatever. Do you think D, DG Antonio is going to be a Repsol rider next year? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think he might be because uh, who's the Honda guy they like so much to bring up all the time? I wanted to say Lee Iacocca, but that's the guy that made the Dodge Caravan and the Ford Mustang. Somebody at home will know what I'm talking about. I mean, I know who Lee Iacocca is, and I know some of the things he did. I don't think he made the Mustang, but sure. He's the father of the Mustang. That was his claim to fame. He worked for Ford. Worked for Ford and was the father of their project for the GT40. No, he was not. Mm-hmm. He was never a performance guy. Lee Iacocca? Yeah, Iacocca. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. You got me. Sheesh. And then he went to Dodge and did the Dodge Caravan. Yeah, but he was also, I swear. He was a GM for a while, too. Interesting guy. You should read his biography. Yeah, I've heard that. Father of the Mustang, father of the Dodge Caravan. Yeah, but he was also the guy that took Ford to Le Mans. Mm, no. Mm-hmm. In 1963, Ford Motor Company Vice President Lee Iacocca proposes to Henry Ford II to boost their car sales by purchasing Italian car manufacturer Ferrari dominant in the 24-hour of Le Mans. Yeah, so he tried convincing them to buy Ferrari, and they got turned down, and that's why the Ford guy got ticked and threw all that money to a division of Ford to go after Ferrari because he was so mad that they turned down his offer to buy him. So mm-hmm. he decided he'd just beat him with Ford. If our editor could put like the matrix numbers, like all the matrix stuff going over your screen right now, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see. Exactly. For the vice president, general manager, Lee Acker did see success in the European racing circuit as a shortcut to the kind of youthful mod glamour that might appeal to the new generation. Fires. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I'll look into this more, but 100% definitely the old guy. You're right about the Mustang thing. I'll give you on the that he was also the head of that whole GT40 thing, kind of. (sighs) Anyway, anywho, so all y'all trying to get the motorcycle fixed right now, MotoGP's back. Yeah, when you guys, when you're you're listening to this in your car, on your bicycle, at the gym. On the couch, at home, at work, in your treehouse, when you should be working. Yes. On the toilet at work. Know that. Know that. The MotoGP race, you've got three in a row. So, but after those three weeks, you're going to run out of motorcycle and to watch. So, what are you going to do? Head down to California and watch CBMA club racing. CBMA, November 17th. Got some people from Utah going to be down there. Well, Lugnut's going to be there, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure a lot of other people. But <laughs> yeah, I think there will be more than just I'm a sure couple be people a few from more. Utah and Lugnut. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't make it to this one, but I'm going to try to, as mentioned before, I'm going to try shooting down there for the mid December one. All right. And and then, and then I'm going to go get my wing fixed. <laughs> Got to get one last race in before you get it all. Yeah. I think I'll. Situated, huh? I, that's what, that's the plan right now. All right. 
that's the plan. Then I'll be fresh, fresh and ready to go for next season after a eight weeks rehab. Good deal. Yeah. So you got to watch Supercross. That's what we're going to have to transition to. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm mad okay. at Supercross, though, to be honest with you. I got to figure out how to watch it. That's the problem right there. Last year, they made it really... I I have watched Supercross since since as long as I can remember. Hey, weren't you just catching the highlights now? Yeah, I just started watching the highlights on YouTube because they made it so hard to find it on TV. It used to be an event for me. You know, I'd record it, Tebow mm-hmm. or whatever old thing they used to use, and then yeah, watch I don't it. remember all the names. You know, watch it when I had time. But I, I watched DVR, it. DVR, wasn't that one? DVR. DVR, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but last year they changed where it's at. I'll have to do a little research again, too, because I just would watch the highlights on YouTube. Make me mad. I'm willing to bet they have an app, and they just want you to pay for it. Yeah, I'm out of money, so. AMA Supercross app features live timing and scoring, schedules, session results, and rider point standings. So Yeah, I don't care about that. Supercross video pass on the app store. Interesting. Yeah. How many how many hundreds is that? I don't know. I didn't look. I don't, so, I, I don't want to know. So I want to make sure you can sleep well. Just know that I, I, I've i got antifreeze in the Beamers at this point. Oh, okay. That's good. That's because, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm back in South Carolina with a low of uh, 46 tonight. So haven't winterized anything yet. <laughs> I had to winterize the trailer, too. You don't have to worry about that either. Not yet. I'm gonna gonna have to at some point. Um which Why? is interesting. It'll I mean last year on Christmas it was seventeen degrees. I woke up and my house pipes were frozen. That's true. Because they they don't insulate anything down here. Yeah, I guess I'll give you that. I'm gonna say lowest we get this week's twenty three, so that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, we'll watch the Moto GP this weekend. Jack yeah, Miller, I mean it's it's come back from last year. What? I know it's Wednesday Which, right now. Uh, so if you're watching, listening, whatever, like we said, tomorrow press conference and then free practice Friday slash just practice Friday now, and then yep. super Saturday with the sprint and qualifying all in one day. So go pay some attention. Yes, sir. And then we'll keep you guys uh, updated on what we do over the winter, and I guess maybe. We'll figure out how to watch Supercross, and if we can figure it out, we'll let you know. And we won't tell you any prices because I don't want to know the prices either. So, <laughs> so if you're looking for an FC6R, it sounds like it's either for sale or or comment if you think we should be giving it away. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, because I ain't giving it away for two comments. Let it be known and let it be written. Yeah, there will be new tires on it before it gets sold. Just want to put that out there. Mm, it'll be a plug. Now nah, I'm putting tires on it. But anyway, uh, yeah, FZ6R is up. Uh, if you're here, you're still here. We appreciate you guys being here. Come see us again next week. Tell your friends. Uh, we love love what we do. We love you guys as our listeners. So make sure you click the subscribe button if you haven't. If you're on uh, just a podcast platform, click the download button. Throw a like on the video. Drop a comment on what you think we should do with the FC6R. And like, what you think, uh, let's get some predictions going. If yeah. for, for whoever's left, who's going to actually take the championship this year? I think it's pretty clear out of the... <laughs> there's two people that can. 
but who's actually going to do it? So, yeah, I would point out also, if you're listening to that, uh, if you're listening to it, if, if you're listening to this podcast on something other than YouTube, mm-hmm. always remember you can come back. There's YouTube. There's other videos on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We, we do have a whole YouTube channel. I, I, I talked to a couple people that listened to it recently. I've talked to a couple people that didn't realize there was a YouTube channel. So, yeah, if you're listening, we're on YouTube. Also, go check us out at Working Class Customs. Yes. All right. We're good? Yep. I think that's it. Thank you. We'll see you soon.